I, I was five months behind on paying my rent. And I remember one day my landlord came to break my legs. I had a, a landlord at one of the places I lived at that uh, he's the guy that, uh, you know, he, he believed in physical physical assault. Like if, and uh, so he's coming down the driveway and I'm in this one bedroom uh, townhouse apartment. So I actually went into the, the bathroom and there's this underneath the sink, there's this little cupboard. To this day, I have no idea how I fit in that cupboard. I'm in this mastermind and the guy told me if I'm uncomfortable with asking for $10,000 for a day of corporate training plus travel expenses, to reach down and grab my balls and start squeezing my balls. True story, okay? I'm like, yeah, right. You're gonna want me to reach down on the telephone and start grabbing my balls because it's pain or pleasure. So anyways, two days later, I, I get a phone call. Guy calls me and goes, I need to speak with Darren Jackler. I want to bring you in to do a quarterly offsite for my executives in the Canadian Rockies, and I want to bring you in. How much for a day of corporate training? So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I know where this is going. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Fit and Frugal Podcast. I am your host, Tony Nguyen. Today, we're actually doing something for the first time. <laughs> so bear with us here, but we're doing um, a virtual podcast. And I have here with my friend, Darren, he's gonna introduce himself and there he is. Great to see everyone. <laughs> Darren, you're in uh, Vancouver right now, right? Yeah, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada is my primary residence where I'm based in, yeah. So I, I love being here, it's a great city. And I always say if people have never been to Vancouver, Canada yet, you wanna come out, there's lots of things to see and do here. Uh, if you wanna be a tourist in the town, you can go on a cruise ship to Alaska. There's the movie industry here from Hollywood. There's hiking, there's outdoor skiing, there's all kinds of stuff, winter sports, summer sports, lots of stuff to do here. Yeah. And you're so high energy and I love the background that you chose because it's very fitting. Um, mm -hmm. Vancouver, when I went, I think I went to Victoria as well. So it's yeah. a very different uh, pace of life. You know, um, I think I drove there from Seattle too. So it's oh, really wow. nice. Yeah. Yeah, this is Mount Seymour where I am. This is the base of Mount Seymour behind me, Mount Seymour. Yeah. And this is where we do our hiking fundraisers all the time for Elevate to Educate. We bring people from all over the world and they come and hike and we raise money and uh, build schools around the world for some of the most impoverished people in the world. Yeah, so to so. give you guys a little context, when I hit Darren up, I think he, you were climbing, right? You were in the middle of like a climb. I was going okay. Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, East Africa. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit just to start off with yeah. with something very fitting to your background like you love nature obviously you're very high energy like what what was your decision like to start climbing mountains yeah, great question i was in niagara falls ontario canada speaking at a real estate conference for about 1200 people just before covid-19 really started to take off and i realized that i was about to go on stage and i had a brand new dress shirt and brand new suit on and I was going to blow my buttons on my suit. And I was trying to figure out in my mind where I was going to stage on stage because they were filming that day and televising on the internet and also recording because I didn't want to blow my buttons on my shirt and be embarrassed. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how did I let my life get to this level? And something I always live by is that in life, time will either promote you or time will expose you. It's just a matter of time whether you get promoted or you get exposed. And here I am being exposed because I'm overweight and I'm going to blow my buttons on my dress shirt. And I got back to my hotel room after that event, and I called a couple of friends of mine back in Vancouver. And I said, listen, when I get back to Vancouver, things need to change in my life. I'm going to start hiking. So I started hiking. I had no hiking boots. I had blue jeans, a shirt, and cotton socks, and running shoes. And I was so out of shape and so out of breath. And uh, that year, I released 43 pounds in weight just from consistently hiking. And I just became addicted to feeling good in my body and my energy. And here I was thinking, if I just go out and hike, I'm going to be completely exhausted and tired when I get back home. Well, completely the opposite started to happen for me. I started to generate more energy, multiply and expand my energy. So I started documenting this on my social media channels about me going out hiking to inspire myself and to inspire other people to be out in nature, enjoy nature and take care of your mental health and mental well-being. And then people started hitting me up on social media channels and, hey, can I come out hiking with you? Whether it was in Vancouver, I was in the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia, I was there travel across the United States or internationally. And I started to create this movement over the last couple of years. And from there, it, it transitioned into what we call Elevate to Educate, E2E now at hikingfundraiser.com. And now it's a global movement where people come out and they hike for a cause. And the money we collect through corporate sponsorship and hiking registrations now builds schools for some of the most impoverished children on the planet. So we've already built our first school over in Liberia, West Africa for over 300 children from preschool to grade six. And we are connected with Link Foundation, which is a foundation I helped co-found 
which is an internationally registered foundation in Canada, the United States of America. So people get a tax receipt and we're federally registered in Canada, the United States. And uh, we're just really gaining some huge attraction and attention. We get we got celebrities coming out hiking with us. We've got professional athletes. We've got soccer moms. We've got dads. We've got teenagers. We've got people from all walks of life, all different age groups. And we're having an incredible time doing it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would definitely get me out of my house for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and we have a lot of people, I have a lot of single women that approach me and they're like, hey, I'm looking at dating and I just, you know, I don't really know this guy, I met him online. What do you think? And I said, listen, bring him out hiking because behavior never lies. Mm. And you get a chance to learn about people's behavior when you're out in nature because people can't wear the social mask. Mm -hmm. When you're in nature, it balances you, it grounds you. Mm -hmm. And so your authentic, vulnerable, true self gets expressed when you're out on a hiking trail. And so uh, I always say to people, hey, if you're raising money or starting off a business venture or you're looking for a new job or career or relationship, come out hiking because you'll meet some great people. Because you know, one of the things I always share with people is that is, as human beings, all we are is a network of conversations. We're a network of conversations. Anything you want in your life is going to come from having a network of conversations with other people because I, inside of conversations, opportunities get created. Mm. You know, you brought up a couple things that I really love. Um, one is that you don't get to wear your social mask in nature. Uh, yes. My partner and I, we camp, we joke about it. We're like, hey, next time we bring a group of investors with us, it's kind of like survival of the fittest. Like, can you actually yes. have the lifestyle that we enjoy? Because if you're going to do business with someone, it's really important to see their authentic self because anyone, yeah. especially going back to dating, anyone can take you to like a nice four or five star restaurant, right? And just get drunk and have a really superficial conversation. And most of the days now women are going out, they're expecting to be wine and yeah. dine. But I'm like, but how far down are you getting to the depth and the level of conversation that you need to actually make the conscious decision of like, that's the partner that I actually want to build with because anyone sure. can go out and get drunk and think yeah. this is the one and fall in love and sleep together and get chemically bonded and repeat the cycle over and over, you know? Yeah. So I, I really love that part about you just being vulnerable and authentic. And two, it's yeah. physical reasons. It's obvious. Um, and three, being out in nature actually, I feel like gives people more clarity mm -hmm. and they just don't feel the immense pressure to just keep up this facade that they have to wear all the time, the suit, the tie, the dresses, Absolutely. the makeup, all of that, you know? Um, so how do you make such a big difference? Yeah. Like Go how ahead. do you feel that ties into the way we interact with each other nowadays that there is an existent of AI. I know you've uh, written a book as well, mm -hmm. and you've gone through some of those adversities, you know, from your childhood. And how do you see that relate into now that you're out in more nature and you're more open to talk about these kind of adversities? Yeah, great question. So I realized that, you know, like some of my biggest mistakes in my life in business, whether it was hiring someone or having a business partner was in around integrity, right? Hiring people or becoming partners with people who had very low levels of integrity, selective integrity, no integrity. And when I realized when you take people out hiking, you know, do they show up on time? Are they prepared? Do they bring a water bottle? Do they have a whistle? Do they have food? Do they have a trip plan? So all these things that you get to learn by watching, observing other people out in a nature environment, which is so important. And, and I realized that, uh, so I've learned a lot about behavior of people and also people's integrity, right? Because without integrity, nothing works. And I think also nature's, uh, what's the question again? Because I kind of went off on a little tangent about integrity, but go back to your question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how do you feel that affects um human nature in terms of the way that we interact with each other now there's ai there's social media to hide you know behind and there's so few people that are willing to come forth more vulnerable and talking about the adversities that they went through and how For that sure. interacts like or how yeah. does that affect our interactions with each other well you know I, i've made a lot of mistakes i was once homeless i've been on the streets i've been on welfare i've had my car repossessed i've had an r9 credit rating which is the worst possible credit score you can get through equifax and transunion credit i've had my bank accounts frozen i've been audited uh, i've had lawsuits uh, you know i've had collections these happening creditors after me all throughout my life by taking different risks and some things that i learned you know and i had childhood trauma because when i was a young boy and i was in grade one i failed grade one public school and then it was determined by the school system that i was not fit to attend regular public school so i was put into what we call special education classes from grade one all the way through to grade 12 of public school when i was seven years of age i created my first business called rent a kid and i would go out and cut grass shovel snow in the winter time and deliver newspapers by knocking on doors in my neighborhood and all throughout my community now i'm 51 years of age today and when i was nine years of age 
I had my two best friends in my neighborhood go out with me knocking on doors, looking at odd jobs and how we could serve our community and solve problems in our community. To this day, I'm still great friends with those two friends when I was nine years old. In fact, I just talked to both of them just last week by telephone. And so to me, it's all about having and building relationships, authentic, integral, connected relationships. Because a lot of people with social media today, and if you look at a lot of these social media apps and dating apps, it's transactional versus relational. Give you an example, practical example. Look at Facebook or LinkedIn or pick other social media platform. Somebody reaches out, they friend request you, then automatically, boom, in your inbox, who's trying to pitch or sell you or recruit you to some opportunity. You're like, I don't even know who you are. You just friend request me. Now you're trying to pitch and sell me or recruit me to your opportunity. And I don't even know you. It's transactional. It's like a one-night stand. So the key thing is, is getting to know people, like people, and trust people first and build what we call relationship equity, relationship equity. And that's why I love what people, when they come out hiking with us with E2E, is people come out, they get a chance to meet high net worth, ultra high net worth, accredited investors. They get a chance to meet other business owners, self-employed people and entrepreneurs, people who have high paying corporate jobs and people come from all walks of life, but you get a chance to meet a sampling of people from all different industries, all different walks of life. And then you get a chance to say, okay, how do I want to live my life going forward? Who do I want to model, right? Because success leaves clues. So I always say to people, modeling is so important. And today with social media, there's so many fake people. I'll give you an example. I was at an airport not too long ago and I saw these people flying, uh, they had private jets there. And, and there was these young uh, people in their early 20s had borrowed a private jet for a few hours to stand there and, and change clothes on the ground and take pictures for their Instagram channels. Okay. And they'd never even chartered the jet. They never even wrote a check to pay for the jet. They, they got access to a jet. And it was so interesting to see that. But then they put it on social media. People like, oh, my gosh, these people are overnight successes. No, it's thousands of hours of hustle and grind and training and development. You know, I'm 51 today and yeah, I've achieved a lot of success and financial success and business success. But in my 20s, disastrous. Like I had a lot of peaks and valleys and adversities and challenges. My 30s. And then when I was 38 years of age, flat broke financially at 38. I remember making a decision one time. I was so disgusted with myself. I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I want to get my money right. I'm tired of this roller coaster of ups and downs and uncertainties and fears and doubts and wonder if I'm going to pay my bills on time each month. And I just got so sick and tired of it. At age 38, I dedicated my life to studying financial freedom. So from age 38 to, you know, all throughout my 40s. And um, I'll tell you a quick story. When I made my when I became a millionaire in my early 40s, I remember uh, one time calling up one of my mentors in San Francisco. I'm like, hey, guess what? I'm now a millionaire. He's like, hey, great. I'm flying up to Vancouver in a few months. Let's go out for sushi and celebrate. But he goes, while I come up, what I want you to do is I want you to go to your accountant and I want you to get a personal financial net worth statement that's audited and verified by your accountant. I'm like, why do you want me to do that? I'll just bring you my financial net worth statement. I'll just print it off and bring it. He goes, no, I want it verified. I'm thinking, well, it's going to cost you like 500 bucks to do that. He goes, I don't care. Get it done or I'm not going to meet you for dinner. So as I went and got this done with my account, I came, I sat down in the sushi restaurant in downtown Vancouver with my mentor. He's worth about $25 million at the time. Okay. Sit down with this guy. I'm worth 1.3 million. And I sit down with him and um, we're in this restaurant that's just full of people, the sushi restaurant. He looks at me and he says to me, he said, Darren, congratulations. You're now a millionaire. He shakes my hand and he goes, I got a question to ask you. He said, do you have an ATM card on you? I said, yeah. He goes, there's an ATM across the street over there. He goes, can you walk over there right now to the ATM machine and pull out $1,000 cash? Yes or no? I'm like, no. He goes, can you get me $500 in cash? Yes or no? I said, no. He goes, can you get me $250 cash? I'm thinking in my head, well, I have an overdraft. And I'm thinking, you know what? I can probably get about $220 in cash, liquid cash. And he looks at me, he goes, so you can go get me $220 in cash. And I said, yeah. He stands up in front of the restaurant for all these people in the sushi restaurant. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? My friend here is now a millionaire, but he's freaking broke. He's broke. He's worth $1.3 million on paper, but he's freaking broke. And he can't even buy his and mine dinner right now. Oh, shit. And I'm freaking, I just want to crawl underneath the table and hide. I am <laughs> so, so embarrassed. And he looks at me and he goes, how do you feel? I said, I'm freaking want to punch you in the face right now and run out of this <laughs> restaurant. He goes, I wanted to embarrass you and make you feel so uncomfortable. You know why, Darren? Why? He said, always remember this. You cannot eat your financial net worth. You can only eat cash flow. 
and you have no cash flow. You are worth $1.3 million on paper, but you can't even buy our dinner right now because you're flat broke. But you got a good ego and you want to impress me because you want to look good and you don't want to look bad. But guess what? You have no monthly recurring cash flow because you don't have a diversified portfolio. And today I own a lot of real estate. I have multiple revenue streams today because of that guy embarrassing me because I was so proud that I became a millionaire on paper, on paper, but not had cash flow. And there's a lot of people that I've met over the years who are very financially successful on paper and drive fancy cars and live in fancy neighborhoods. You know, I drive a 2015 Honda Civic car. People always say, why? Because I'm low profile, high impact, low profile, because the more visibility the more exposure you have, the more potential risks and liabilities you create for yourself. Mm. People don't realize that on the come up, right? You know, on the come up, people are like, oh my gosh. And I remember in my 30s, man, I was hustling. I wanted a center of attention. I wanted to be recognized. I wanted to be everywhere. And then once you start making success happen, it's all about risk mitigation and asset protection. Mm-hmm. That's why people live in gated communities sometimes. That's why you see people who achieve financial success in professional sports or music or entertainment or in business. They'll say, like, where are they? Like, they're kind of off the radar. Because they don't want the visibility of the exposure because it creates potential risks and liabilities. Yeah. I love right? that story. Like how, what was that moment like when he embarrassed you? Like, and what has that <laughs> taught you on a ego level? Like, you know, the saying is like a good day for the, no, a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul. So yeah. how has that experience taught you to become where you are today? You know, humbling experience because in my life, I always wanted to look good and I never wanted to look bad. And to me, image and ego was very important, right? I always wanted to be the center of attention. And it came from childhood trauma of being that kid in special education class that never got the attention, never got people to believe me. I was never good enough, never smart enough, never worthy enough, never amount to much. You know, I was in special ed. You know, here I am, this young kid when I'm in school in special ed trying to meet girls, Right. And I'm and I would put 10 Canadian pennies in my left pocket secretly. So I would say every time I would say good morning or good afternoon or hello to a girl, I would secretly transfer a penny from my left pocket to my right pocket. Because what I learned is that whatever I lack in skill, I make it up in numbers. And my skill was I was insecure and I lacked confidence and and saying hello to people and how I people. Today I'm a very self-confident person because I've taken a lot of training development. But one of the things I realized was my integrity. You see, I used to have selective integrity. If I wanted something from you, I had high levels of accountability and integrity because I wanted something from you. And then I got realized, I got confronted by one of my mentors one day and he said, Darren, I want to show you a blind spot that you're not aware of. You're a user and you're a taker. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? I love people because you're a user and a taker. And what I do every quarter, every 90 days in my calendar is I do an exercise where I take a few hours by myself, usually out in nature, in my backpack, I have a journal. And I sit down and I go through this experiential exercise. And, and, it, and this is an uncomfortable exercise. And I invite everybody watching. Here's the bonus opportunity to do this exercise. It's not comfortable. It's going to be confronting to yourself. Okay. Is sit down and ask yourself this question. Where am I self-aware in my life? And where am I unaware in my life? And then go to people in your inner circle who love and care about you and your network, your inner circle. And ask people for feedback. Constructive, honest, blunt feedback. Because some people are just going to be nice and kind of sugarcoat it and fluff it up. But you want the people who are going to tell you what you need to hear versus, versus what you want to hear. You want those people in your camp. Mm-hmm. right? Who's going to tell you what you need to hear versus what you want to hear? And they're going to tell you from their perspective, their point of view, where you're self-aware and where you're totally unaware. What's your blind spots? And when you start to discover what your blind spots are, your life can totally go in a different direction. Because for a lot of us, we're running around thinking that we can. And for me, I'll speak for myself. I thought I could fool other people. That I had selective integrity. I thought I could fool it, but in fact, I was fooling myself. And that was a big thing when I realized that that uh, without integrity, nothing works. And so today in my life, I live by that my word creates my world. So I live by my calendar, for example. So everything I do goes into my calendar. It's structured into my calendar, and I live by my calendar. And then what I do is I take my iPhone and I and every day I I take my alarms on my iPhone and I structure alarms to my calendar. So I'm always early and I'm always on time. So I develop a consistency of a pattern because behavior never lies. Because what happens is if if you start meeting, and this one thing about hiking, I have people all the time that want to take me out for breakfast and lunch and dinner. I'm like, listen, let's rather go to a restaurant and sit down there for an hour. Let's go hiking and get physical exercise and be in nature and fresh air. And we'll have a collaborative conversation while we're out on a hike, right? If you're not good at hiking, we'll do a beginner hike. We won't do anything without high elevation or, or very low elevation. You'd be amazed how many people I've met that don't even text message me, email me, phone call me, 
and tell me they're not going to show up to the hike that day. And then like I had a guy this morning, I'll give you an example, just a few hours ago. I had a gentleman that was supposed to meet with me the other day, didn't show up to a meeting on, on a Zoom call, a scheduled Zoom call that he set up and he sent the calendar invitation to. So he's the one set up and sent me the calendar invitation that I accepted. Didn't even show up. There was no, no show up. I waited on for 10 minutes on the Zoom link while I was doing other stuff. For 10 minutes, I terminated the Zoom link. Four days after that, he he reached out to me. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't looking at my calendar. I didn't realize we had a call today, that day. And he goes, Let, let's get together. So the key thing I look for is, is the person going to step over their integrity, what they what they gave their word to? And this is something in terms of behavior never lies. You start to watch and observe people's. I watch people's feet, not their lips. Because like if you look at business, people say talk is cheap. Well, I think we go a step further. Most people cheapen their talk. <laughs> I also, and I'll just be transparent with everybody, I made a lot of mistakes in my life in business. And one of the biggest mistakes I made was not listening and trusting women's intuition. Today, if you look at everything I do within the group of companies and our family foundation, it's all run by women. And I rely heavily. All my team meetings, there's majority of people on my team are women. And I always check in with the women. We have a three-step process. I always ask the ladies, ladies, is your intuition right now calm? Step number one, is it calm? Step number two, is it cautious? Or step number three, is it nervous? So calm, cautious, or nervous. So if we're looking at investing in something, are you calm, cautious, or nervous? If we want to hire someone or bring something onto our team, are you calm, cautious, or nervous? We want to bring on this corporate sponsor, have somebody involved in a joint venture, are you calm, cautious, or nervous? And I have them check in with their female intuition and say, I'm calm, green light, cautious, yellow light, nervous, red light. Wow. If it's calm, we proceed. If it's cautious, we do more research, more discovery, more due diligence. If it's nervous, red, we run. Wow. No involvement. No, I love this concept, one, because it empowers um, more women, because I love mm -hmm. how you are trusting women to actually rely Absolutely. on their intuition. Because for, I don't know about you, Lana, but like for the most of my 20s, we're more wired and conditioned to suppress that part of us because like feelings are bad. You have to make logical decisions. You have to be stay on your left brain. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, like you're not really operating from the best part of you, which is your intuition. And yeah. why do you feel that a lot of women lack that self-trust or that security to make decisions just based on their intuition? Belief in themselves, self-confidence and belief in themselves and giving themselves permission because women are always competing and comparing. You look at all the media, right? You look at all the all the magazines in the grocery store checkout. They're constantly being compared. There's always a comparison. And so women are always like, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? There's always a comparison. And men have that internal drive of, you know, if they do something, oh, I feel good, I did that. But women constantly have to be uh, validated in terms of appreciation, recognition, because they want to be seen. Look at me, I want to be seen. Am I important? Am I valued? So it's so important. So reassurance is so important, but also the self-care, you know, like when I take women out, I, I'll give you an example. I, I had a woman out with me the other day hiking and uh, she was on her phone and I said, can I, can I ask you, can you just put your phone away? You just take your phone off. She's well, I, 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 I got to do all these things. So listen, she's a real estate agent. Okay. She's working on these deals, real estate. So listen, here's what I want you to do. This <laughs> is what, come with me. So I take her over to this tree and I said, I want you to I put your arm around the tree. Like you're going to hug the tree. And I want you to just hold the tree and close your eyes. So what do you want me to do? She just hug, hug the tree. Like there's a romantic part. Like you're doing a slow dance. And I want you to slow dance right now with the tree and close your eyes. And she goes, this is stupid. I said, okay, just trust the process. Close your eyes and take a deep breath and exhale. Boom, the tears just started flowing. She just started bawling, started crying. And I just held her there. She just let her there for about probably a good five minutes. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, I feel so, so the weight just came off my shoulders right now. And, and I had a woman yesterday called me up who's working on a big deal. And uh, she's like, I got to go into this boardroom and present this big business deal for this acquisition she's working on. And I said, here's what I'd like you to do. I said, I'd like you to dance in your hotel room before you go into the board meeting. She goes, what? What, what do you mean dance? She goes, I'm going to get all sweaty. So I want you to dance. Put on your favorite song. And I want you to dance in your hotel room before you go to this boardroom and present. She says, Why? I said, because radiance, light, and energy. Think of this, ladies. Are you attractively, if you walk into a, a shopping mall and you see a woman with who's glowing with her radiance and light and energy, you're going to look. Wow, look at her. She's glowing with radiance, light, and energy. Men, it's direction, focus, and purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these are things we look at from a marketing perspective. Radiance, light, and energy. 
And for a man, it's direction, focus, and purpose. If that man's got direction, he's got focus, and he's got purpose, he's attractive. He's yummy. Wow. I never thought of it that way. Just because I think lately, you know, more energy work has been more mainstream. And everyone mm -hmm. wants to manifest and everyone wants to come into this quantum field of manifesting. But how do you, how, how would you even say that to someone that like, hey, you need to check your energy in a professional setting, right? Because I love what you're saying is that part of what I'm hearing is that dancing and just relaxing and self-expression is the form of somatic release. Because I feel like sure. a lot of women, I, I can speak for myself, we hold mm -hmm. a lot of trauma and we hold a lot yes. of identities and we hold a lot of pressure just within ourselves. And I think that's where the word, uh, I think uptight comes from because mm -hmm. you, you just feel a woman with a lot of responsibilities and you, you sense they're like, just they're under so much pressure that any sudden movement, they're just going to burst, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if you've met those kind of women. Oh, absolutely. Acquisition yeah, absolutely. In real estate. Cause you have to be on all the time. And now yeah. I think that and you're running from masculine energy, a high, yeah. high masculine energy. Right. Yeah. And now that there's more talks about being in the feminine and every woman that I've and ever talked flow. to, yeah, can't get into flow state because they're just so wounded and they're mm -hmm. just so, they're operating on high ego, high masculine, wounded feminine energy. So it's not really guided by the divine. So can you speak mm -hmm. a little bit more on that? I know that sure. you work with a lot of women. So how do you Absolutely. take that as a man? Like when you have conversations with women, like how do you see an empowered woman in a, in a divine energy woman? Yeah. So it's about being, not doing. So a lot of times it's about being, doing, and having. So it's about who you're being, your self-care. So every morning, whether it's doing affirmations, it's doing some yoga, some Pilates, going for a walk, taking your dog for a walk, but it's that self-care time of actually structuring and scheduling into your calendar and making it as a daily habit, a daily non-negotiable, right? And I always encourage even the women that work with us and, and, and people in my life is that you'll take that self-care time for you, whatever that is for you. If it's reading, if it's journaling, if it's poetry, if it's, Whatever it is, it's having a bubble bath or an Epsom salt bath, whatever it is, do that self-care time for you. But give yourself permission to take that self-care time for yourself and do things that enrich your life. Another thing is, too, is when it comes to the energy is a lot of times in business, we look at ROI. What's the return on investment? I always say, what's the ROE? What's the return on energy? And what's the ROL? What's the return on life? Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're doing something that's not giving you the return on life, and the return on energy, or if you're in a relationship right now that doesn't have the return on life, return on energy, start to evaluate it, audit it, and say, is this the best and highest good for me, right? Because our environment is so important about our energy around our environment. And also getting around, for, for example, ladies, getting around inspiring, empowering environments, right? That are non-toxic environments, right? Because I'll give you an example. If we go to a, a food court of a shopping mall, and we walk into a food court, and we see four women sitting together, Primarily, the woman who's getting the most amount of attention is the woman who's got the biggest problem. Okay, I see it all the time on the hiking trails. I see it all the time in my hiking groups, right? The woman with the biggest problem is getting the most amount of attention. And if you've got a handful of women there, three or four women are helping the woman collaborate with her on their problem. And the woman was off to the side saying, oh, my gosh, we just shut up. I just want to be out here and listen to the birds and, and look around. And she just keeps talking and talking and talking, right? Mm -hmm. So the key thing is knowing place and time but also realizing that it's important to talk about things and express your emotions and your feelings, which is very, very important, but also situational awareness. I take people nighttime hiking. One of the reasons why I take people nighttime hiking is number one is the fear, right? People always ask me, oh my gosh, is there wild animals out here? Are we going to encounter something? Listen, the fear is real. So feel it in your body sensations, honor and celebrate your body's protecting you and keeping you safe, protection and survival. The fear is real but the threat is not. There's no physical evidence that nothing's going to eat you or you're not going to die. Mm. So when we go nighttime hiking, it's situational awareness. And I always encourage people when you're out there, do you have the skill of what we call situational awareness? So sometimes women are, you know, they're in their groups and they're talking, but they're not aware sometimes of what other people are feeling. Like it's not the right time and place to be experiencing that, right? Maybe it should be a private conversation, not a group therapy session where it is because then you're repelling people from you versus attracting people to you mm -hmm. i've seen some women for example in real estate I, i've worked with a lot of real estate agents and um a woman will come in and say, oh my gosh i just blew up this deal and this guy's a jerk and this and this and this and that going on and meanwhile other people around you could be potential clients for you they could be potential referral partners to you 
And maybe rather than voicing it and fireworking it to half a dozen people in this dinner party or this social public place, you should just talk to one or two people privately because these people are thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't want to refer to anybody. I don't want to deal with people like that. Right. So mm-hmm. you want to be sensitive to your environment because people are always watching, always observing you. And so it's very, very important of time and place and the selection of who you have a conversation with and what you choose to talk about. Yeah. Very, very important. No, I love your energy. Like you are just as expressive as I remember seeing you on stage and when we had conversations offline. Um, mm-hmm. how'd, I can't really envision a time. Like, can you walk me through what one of your darkest moments is like and how you manage yourself to overcome those obstacles? Yeah, great question. Yeah. So I've been, I've been like really down financially broke. Like I went several years without paying my taxes. I, I was five months behind on paying my rent. And I remember one day my landlord came to break my legs. I had a, a landlord at one of the places I lived at that, uh, you know, he was a, in the construction trade and he was one of these guys that, uh, you know, smoker, drinker kind of guy, redneck guy. But he's the guy that, uh, you know, he he believed in physical physical assault. Like if, you know, if he was the type of guy, if you said something wrong to him, he'd punch you in the face. No question. Give me assault charge. Go to court. I don't care. Call the police. I can care less. I'm going to listen. If you're going to call the police, I'm going to make sure that you're going to go by ambulance to the hospital. I'm going to make my assault charge worth it. And so I had this uh, landlord one time and I was really in a downward spiral financially in my business doing corporate training. I was struggling and things were not working out financially for me. And uh, I remember hearing his Dodge big diesel truck coming down the driveway. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is probably one of the darkest days of my life thinking, oh my gosh, this guy, because he's threatened me before that I'll pay the rent time. He's going to break my legs with a baseball bat. And he carried a baseball bat in his Dodge truck. And uh, he always had a ball and a glove. That way, if the police ever stopped, he was like, well, I'm going to the ballpark because he had a ball and a glove and a baseball bat. So they couldn't prove that he was going to assault him because it wasn't a weapon because he had a ball and a glove. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and he'd always tell me that, oh, you phoned the police on me with a baseball bat door and they're never going to prove it. And uh, so he's coming down the driveway and I'm in this one bedroom uh, townhouse apartment. And I'm thinking, I can't get out the, the window because the uh, window's too small. So I actually went into the, the bathroom and there's this underneath the sink, there's this little cupboard. To this day, I have no idea how I fit in that cupboard. It was so small, but I somehow shrunk my body to fit in the thing. I was so scared for my life. And I was in there. And uh, he opened up the door of my apartment. He, and he started shouting, where are you? And he flipped up my mattress. He opened up my closet, took all the clothes off the closet, threw them on the floor, went into my little kitchen, looked around me. And he came into the bathroom, ripped open the shower curtain. And I'm certain that he looked down and said, there's no way he could fit in this underneath the sink. Because if he would have opened, he would have found me. And I remember closing my eyes and just saying, do not, do not breathe. Do not breathe. Do not breathe. Just, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, my life might come to an end here right now. This might be the end. This might be where I'm going to die. You know, I was so scared. And I realized when and he ended up leaving and then starts up his truck and took off. And I'm like, oh my gosh. This is, I can't live my, I can't keep doing this. And that was the thing that I, I got to start to, I got to get help. I got to get mentors, got to get coaches. Another thing one time, I'll tell you an interesting story. Um, I'm doing corporate training summers. I did corporate training summers all over the world for 25 years. And I used to make 400 cold calls a day, 2000 cold calls a week. And over a five year period, I made over a hundred thousand cold calls out of the telephone books, cold calling, right? With a 98% rejection rate. And I'm, I'm making $200 a day. And sometimes I'd fly from Vancouver to New York, right? All day to fly from Vancouver, Canada to New York to go train the next day at company for $200 plus my travel expenses and, and a $50 a day per diem. So $250 and then fly all the way back. So you'd make more money being a greeter at Walmart than I was making, but I was passionate about what I was doing. And one day I had a friend of mine. He's like, you know, Darren, I have this mastermind group. I belong to some really successful entrepreneurs. I'd like to bring you around and give you a guest pass and have you come. And I said, okay, I'll come, but listen, I can't sign up as a member of this mastermind group because I don't have the money, right? So don't, don't, don't pressure me to sign up because the answer is no, because my credit card is not going to work. Like I'm, I'm maxed out on my credit card. And um, he's like, no problem. Just come as my guest. So I go there and there's all these people and I'm watching them and I'm putting these people on a pedestal and I'm putting myself in the pit and my mind is like, you're not good enough, not smart enough. And you know, these guys are up there talking, you know, they're coaching each other on business and success and marketing and sales and stuff and joint ventures and mergers and acquisitions in this mastermind group for a few hours. And I'm like the brokest guy in the group, the dumbest guy in the group, the least experienced guy in the group. But I'm just I'm just eager as a sponge to learn. So anyways, the last hour, 
they call it a hot seat. And they take one of their guests in this mastermind group and they go to the front of the room and they get feedback, constructive feedback from the group. It could be on anything. It could be about your relationship. It could be around your finances. It could be around hiring somebody, whatever you, every topic. And they'll pick you. And if you don't, they'll pick one of the members. So a couple of the members said, pick Darren Jacqueline. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going. I'm just a guest here. I'm a, I'm a fly on the wall. Sorry, guys. I'm, listen, you're not going to waste your time and energy on me. There's much more people in the room who got bigger challenges and problems than me. Listen, don't worry about me. I'm just going to sit and watch and learn and take notes. I'm, I'm not getting, no way. I'm not going in front of the room. No, no, I'm not doing that. So anyways, they choose me. And this guy goes, okay, Darren Jacqueline, you're going to come through. I said, listen, I am not coming to the front of the room. And he goes, listen. Are you going to keep arguing with me for your limitations? Or are you going to do what I asked you and get to the front of the room now? And I said, no, I'm not coming. No. He goes, stop arguing for your limitations. Come to the front of the room. You're going to have a breakthrough. Said, no. So I get in front of the room and the guy goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a corporate trainer. Okay. What does that mean? So I specifically tell him what I do. Travel around the world, train corporations, help to grow and scale. It's something I got a good skill set at. Because how much do you make a day? I said, I get $200 a day plus a $50 a day per diem plus my travel expenses. And he goes, uh, he goes, you know, my first impression on, on you is a guy like you, you should be getting paid $10,000 a day. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. I don't even make $10,000 in a month. You know what I mean? There's no way I'm going to get paid $10,000 a day. You, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're just, you're drinking the Kool-Aid because there's no way it's going to happen. Right. So this guy, and I'm, and I'm just totally not listening to this guy. I'm like, yeah, right. Kumbaya. Right. Let's drink the Kool-Aid and, and have a group hug here right now. You know, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. And this guy's like, I think you should start charging people $10,000 a day for your corporate training seminars. I'm like, yeah, right, buddy. I don't know anybody in North America that makes $10,000 a day doing corporate training seminars. So you're out to lunch. So he starts giving this advice. Are you open to my feedback? No, I'm not open to your feedback. Appreciate it, but I'm not going to take it because you don't know what you're talking about because you have no experience in this industry. Because nobody I know makes that kind of money. And uh, he said, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna come around this mastermind group, be around these people and network these people, you need to start asking for ten thousand dollars for a day of corporate training. I'm like, yeah, right, buddy. I don't even make that in sometimes two, three months, whatever, right? Net income, not gonna happen. And uh, he said to me, he says, Are you open to a are you open to a, a challenge? Of course, I like challenge, I like solving problems. I'm like, yeah, he goes, listen, when you leave here. When you're making all these cold calls, I want you to start asking these companies on the other end for $10,000 for your corporate training services. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to go from asking for $200 a day, and I'm getting rejected at $200 a day to now $10,000 a day. And I already have a high level of rejection at $200 a day cold calling out of the phone books. Yeah, right. I'm going to now increase my level of rejection, which I'm already high at right now, and go to $10,000 a day. How am I going to eat and pay my bills in a month? Whose couch am I going to sleep on? going forward. Right. And I'm thinking this guy's out. This guy's is ridiculous. Why am I wasting my time being here? Why are we even talking about this in front of a group of people, all these qualified business people? So I leave that day and I said, the guy said, you're on. I accept your challenge. and I'm going to start asking for $10,000. And I go, yeah, right. Whatever. Let's get out of here. So I leave. Two days later, I get a telephone call from a big company, well-known in North America that I did training with about a year and a half earlier. Okay. Guy calls me up. And also one thing, if you don't mind me just being straight up with this, I'm in this mastermind and the guy told me if I'm uncomfortable with asking for $10,000 for a day of corporate training plus travel expenses to reach down and grab my balls and start squeezing my balls. True story. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right. You're going to want me to reach down on the telephone and start grabbing my balls because it's pain or pleasure. So anyways, two days later, I, I get a phone call. This guy calls me and goes, I need to speak with Darren Jacklin. Well, yeah. He's an executive, real redneck guy from this big oil and gas company. He calls me up and he goes, uh, Darren, we met about 15, 18 months ago. You were a guest speaking at this uh, big conference. And I want to bring you in to do a quarterly offsite for my executives in the Canadian Rockies. And I want to bring you in. How much for a day of corporate training? So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I know where this is going. I'm being set up. This is a test. These guys got together and had a meeting after the meeting, and they're mm -hmm. testing me now to see if I'm going to fall through and keep my integrity and keep my word. I know where this is going. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, but I got to fall through. I got to ask for $10,000. And the guy's talking on the phone about when he wants to do this executive offsite retreat and in a few months in the Canadian Rockies, all this kind of stuff. He goes, well, how much for a day of corporate training? I pause. And now I'm really, really, really scared. And I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting to shake. And I thought, oh my gosh. And it, just, it was probably maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 seconds, but it felt like 15 minutes to me. I was so scared. I reached out, I started grabbing my balls for real, started squeezing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, $10,000. He goes, fine, 
My executive assistant will call you back within 90 minutes. We'll send you a 50% deposit by FedEx. We'll send it to you tomorrow. And then the day you show up for training, we'll give you the 50% deposit. And we'll take care of your travel expenses. My executive will call you back and work that out. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Okay, great. Thanks for the call. Real polite, professional. Hang up the phone call. Sure enough, within 90 minutes, his executive assistant calls me back. She says, we have Mr. Jacqueline. We've agreed to pay you $10,000 a day at corporate training. I'm thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm trying to get $200 a day. We're not going to go to 10 grand. It's impossible. Right? It's impossible. So what happened was, she's like, I just need your mail address. We're going to FedEx you a check. And I said, oh, can you provide me with a tracking number? She goes, yeah, we'll email you the tracking number. So you got it for FedEx. Sure enough, that night, man, I get on to FedEx.com and I'm looking, sure enough, there's a package being shipped to me within 24 hours. I'm going to have a package. Is this for real? Is this really going to happen? So I realized, okay, this might happen. Now I owe some money. Okay, I've been borrowing money and I've got some out of integrities and I've got some people I've made some big promises and not followed through on. And I've you know fallen short of my integrity, these people, and I need to make it right and call these people, restore my integrity, but also make a repayment to pay these people. I think, okay, $5,000 is coming in. I can play catch up on some people that I'm outstanding with. So I start phoning people, say, hey, guess what? I've got some money coming in. I can pay you within 48 hours. I'll, you know, rather than mail you a check because they don't trust me with the check because they bounce. I'll, I'll, I'll come over and I'll drop off the money, right? So I start phoning these people up, telling them I'm going to drop off some cash because they don't trust. They don't believe me because talk is cheap and I haven't followed through and been, been any good with my word. My words mean nothing to these people. Because I've overpromised, overpromised, not followed through on nothing. Just all a bunch of talk, right? So, anyways, the next day the FedEx truck arrives. I am so excited to see this FedEx truck. I run out there and I'm excited to see the FedEx driver. And I get this package, I rip it open. Oh my gosh, there's a check for five thousand dollars in this FedEx envelope. I go to the bank and I'm proud. I'm walking around. I'm saying hello, hi, greeting people. Like I'm excited. I'm thinking, wow, does money ever change me? I'm so attached to money. When I don't have any money, I'm miserable and upset and don't want to talk to people, don't want to go anywhere, just want to hide. And when I got money, I'm out there. Hello, hi, please, thank you. I'm like, wow, this is really interesting, my behavior. And I saw good awareness, right? So I'm out there. I get in line. I go into the bank, get up the counter, want to deposit the check. And they like, anything I can help with this? Yeah, I need to withdraw the $5,000. I need it. And I got to put some money away for taxes. And I got to pay the other money to people I owe money to. So she goes, well, Mr. Jacqueline, she goes, you know, you've never had a check that large ever go through your account before, right? For $5,000. So we're gonna have to put a five day business hold on your check. Now, it's actually seven days because I had a weekend coming up for two days. So I had to wait mm -hmm. the whole seven days. I said, oh my gosh, I can't wait seven days. I, got, I told these people I'm gonna drive by and pay them their money. They don't believe me I'm gonna even show up. I gotta follow through. I'm thinking, I said, listen, no, 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 no. You have to give me the money. I need, I can't leave this bank without the money. And she's like, sorry, sir. We put a five-day business hold on your account. We have to make sure the funds go through. And and because uh, you've lived in overdraft and you bounced a few checks over, over the period of time you had your account here, we can't put it through. Banks don't like risk. I said, well, can I talk to your supervisor? Talk to the manager? You know? And she's like, um, no. And I'm like, okay, I got I to do something here. And um, she's like, sorry. And so I leave, I leave the, the bank and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So I call these people up and like, yeah, Darren, yeah, we knew you weren't going to show up. And they're like, unbelievable. So I have to wait a whole seven days and finally I go get those people caught up. Now, here's where the story gets even more interesting. And the reason why I'm sharing this story with you and your listeners is there's a lot of life lessons to unpack in here. And I'm going to share a life lesson in just a few minutes that people will remember for the rest of their lives. So I end up a few months later going to the Canadian Rockies and going doing this corporate uh, retreat this offsite for this group of executives, about 12 people. I'm in the Canadian Rockies and I do the train all day. Phenomenal, outstanding job. I was well-prepared, very organized, got my deliverables. I got the results that I wanted to achieve. Evaluations came in, high scores, high marks on the evaluation. At the end of this, the group that I was with training were going to go whitewater rafting through the Canadian Rockies. The executive vice president who hired me, he's got a cigarette, smoking a cigarette, he's got a pack of cigarettes here and he's got my check for $5,000. This guy smoked like three packs of cigarettes a day. He goes to me, he goes, uh, you know, Darren, everybody's going whitewater rafting. So you and I are going to go walk down the riverbank, go for a walk and debrief. So we start walking down the riverbank in this beautiful Canadian Rocky Mountains. And he says to me, you know, Darren, I got a question to ask you. A few months ago when I called you up and I asked you how much for a day of corporate training, why did you tell me $10,000? 
And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't ask for what? A refund. Because I've already spent the first $5,000 that he gave me as a 50% deposit. And the other five grand he's got there in the check, that money's already accounted for as well for catching up on bills and paying my taxes. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to go sideways fast. And I don't know what to do. And this guy's not going to be happy. And I'm just scared, right? All kinds of negative self-talk and chatter going on. And he's like, why? When I asked you for a day of corporate trading, why did you tell me $10,000? And I looked at him straight in the eye, right? I thought, just be calm. Just be calm. Breathe. Just be calm. Just be calm. Just be calm. Breathe. Breathe. You're in nature. And I said, well, you know what? I felt that I'm worth $10,000 and I feel I was well-prepared and I provided the deliverables and you got the return on investment and all your executives we're very impressed and the evaluations were verified and backed it up for me. He looks at me, goes, do you have a coach? And I said, well, I, I have people around me, a coach. He goes, are you open to some feedback? Are you open to me coaching you for a few minutes? I'm like, okay. And yes, sir. Like, I just want, I, yeah, I need, I need to be coached because I need the $5,000 too, right? So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a yes for everything right now, right? And I'm really scared. So he looks at me and he goes, when I asked you how much for a day at corporate training, you told me $10,000. You should never have said that. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, because, you know, yeah, just, just recently I was asking for $200 a day. He goes, you know, you should have asked me what was my budget? And what was I willing to pay for a day of corporate training? He goes, you know, Darren, I had budgeted to pay you $25,000 for the day, mm. plus first class travel expenses. Reaches into his pocket. He goes, here's your check for $5,000. You left $15,000 on the table. He goes, you know, Darren, sometimes he'll believe more in you than you actually believe in yourself. I hope you'll learn something today, that people see more in you than you see in yourself. you got to raise your self-confidence and your belief level of what your self-worth is and what you deserve in life and what you're open to receiving. Because guys like you think you're only worth a couple hundred dollars a day, but I'd pay you 25 grand a day because I see the return on the investor of what you do for my executives. Let's go back to camp and have something to eat. And that guy changed my life. And I've been paid as high as $40,000 for a day of corporate training. When I was doing corporate training seminars, I don't do much corporate training anymore. I retired more or less in, 19, in 2015 from that. But I went from $200 a day because that's what I felt I was worth, my deserved level. Going to a mastermind group, being totally uncomfortable, totally exposed, being challenged to ask for $10,000 a day, which is totally my mindset, impossible and outrageous and totally unachievable. Just like me climbing Mount Kilimanjaro when I was doing all these little hikes around Vancouver and a buddy of mine calls me up 18 months ago and says, hey, Darren, I'm turning 40 years of age in 2023. I want you to come with me to Tanzania, East Africa and climb 19,340 feet and we'll take oxygen with us just in case. Almost 6,000 meters and we're going to climb to the rooftop of Africa to Mount Kilimanjaro, one of the highest mountains on planet Earth next to Mount Everest. And here I am doing all these small little hikes around Vancouver, Canada. And he's like, Darren, you can climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm a hard no. No, I'm not doing it. I don't. I'm not an athletic person. I don't have the DNA. I don't have the genetics. He goes, Darren, stop arguing me with me for your limitations. Stop arguing with your limitations with me. You can train, develop yourself and build a coach around you and train yourself and you can climb Mount Kilimanjaro with me. And I summited Mount Kilimanjaro in July of 2023. And now I'm training for Mount Vincent in Antarctica for January 2025 as a charity event for Link Foundation, ETV Elevate to educate, but build schools around the world for some of the most impoverished children on the planet. And I never would have thought if you would have asked me 18 months ago, would I ever be doing Mount Kilimanjaro or would I ever be doing Mount Vincent, Antarctica, the coldest place on earth? I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. That's impossible for me to do something like that. And now I'm in the best physical, mental, emotional, spiritual state of my life. And I've got another year or 12 months still to train before I go to Mount Vincent. So it's just wow. mind boggling. And this is what the impact of these people that have showed up in my path in my life from going to a mastermind group where I'm like, why do I need to go? These people are so much better than me. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't even afford to ever sign up for the program. If my buddy didn't bring me as a guest pass, I, my credit card would have declined because I couldn't even have paid for the, for the tuition for the day to go to the event. I was so broke. I couldn't even pay for parking on the street. My buddy had to pick me up and drive me. And I went, so all these things happen. It's never in our way. It's only on our way. And so I have somebody who've overcome a lot of adversities and failures and challenges and setbacks. And I'm here to tell you from somebody from an R9 credit rating, 
which is the worst credit score you can get to become a multimillionaire. And somebody who's committed, you know, committed to $100 million getting away to philanthropy in, in the next decade, right? To somebody who was an R9 creditor living on welfare, homeless, eating my next meal of a garbage dumpster. And even in my book, Until I Become, I show a picture of me living in a treehouse for seven months. And a friend of mine let me stay because I was flat broken, evicted from my home, and I got my car repossessed. And I went from there to turning things around to live an extraordinary life today that most people only ever dream about through a tremendous amount of adversities and failures and challenges and setbacks. But today, now in my life, I know the structures, I know the systems, I know the processes, I know how to invite the people to have a seat at the table to be involved with what I'm doing. Because I know now the daily habits and the daily routines. Because I know what not to do. Because I've, I've mastered that. Now I know what to do during the waking hours of my day. Mm. Well, I'm still marinating in your story. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think your biggest uh, lesson that you've got from climbing the mountain? And how do you apply that to, you, to your everyday life? Good question. So first 48 hours on Mount Kilimanjaro, I got slapped in the face metaphorically like a life lesson of patience because i'm an impatient person i like to make things happen and get things done i'm a uh, you know on the disc profile i'm a i'm a dm a driver i'm I'm driven right when i'm focused on something like a dog on a bone i want to make things happen get things done so what happened was i trained for a year for mount kilimanjaro and i arrive in tanzania east africa i meet with my team so we had 20 climbers 20 hikers in my group with mountains and marathons out of australia that was a group i was with there's 20 hikers 10 mountain guides and 70 porters, which are like the Sherpas that you see in, in, um, in Nepal with uh, Mount Everest. And so here I am day one, day two, day three on Mount Kilimanjaro. And we're going like really, really slow, pulley, pulley. And like, we're going like a bunch of kids in elementary school, or preschool going to the park. You see the kids when you drive down the street and all the kids are going really slow. That's how fast we're going on Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm thinking this is ridiculous. I didn't train for a year for this. I didn't spend all this time and energy and money to fly all the way across the world to come to Tanzania, East Africa, to go this slow to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. We're going to pick up the pace and go a lot faster. So what happened was all these people are past us on day one and day two and day three, all these, these athletes and all these other people climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So I'm getting impatient. I got triggered. Right? I got triggered. And now I'm, I'm confrontational. I'm aggressive with my, my guides. I'm like, listen, we got to pick up the pace. We're going way too slow. One guy turns around to Angela and she says, Darren, you need to learn to be patient. You need to slow down. You need to trust the process and you need to pulley, pulley. And she must have said pulley, pulley to me over a thousand times over the 10 days I was with her. Five days up, two days down, but I was with the team for, for 10 days. And um, I kept on hearing pulley, pulley, slow, steady, slow, steady, one step at a time, one step at a time. And I had to slow right down. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this is, I, I'm going so slow, we're almost walking backwards. Like, like, stop, take a deep breath, step, stop, step, stop, step for seven, eight hours. I'm thinking, unbelievable. And uh, I tell you, what it did for me is it got me present in my body. My relationship with Tatiana has drastically changed because I was always in my head. I'd always compartmentalize and I wasn't fully in my body, feeling my emotions, and my feelings. So if I can't feel my emotions, and my feelings, how can I connect to another person or to another woman? at a deep, intimate, connected level. Mm. So it transformed my life, being on Mount Kilimanjaro, was learning how to be in my meat suit, in this physical human being body, and connecting myself and just say, okay, I surrender, okay? Because I realized the first three days, I didn't listen to my mountain guides. Didn't listen to them. I knew better. Why? Because I trained for a year. I was in the best shape of my life. I, I trained. I was disciplined, accountable, reliable, consistent, focused, I was like, man, I, I, I'm doing something I never thought my wildest dreams I'd ever do is fly from Canada all the way to Mount Kilimanjaro and climb something I never thought in my life that I'd ever do. And now I'm here. This is this, now this is the champion. This is the Super Bowl I'm going to. And I realized I was not coachable the first three days. So when I look at now as an awareness in my life is where am I not being coachable in my life? Right? Like I had a, I had a gentleman call me the other day, a good friend of mine. And he's like, Darren, I, I need to hire a new coach in the new year. I want to hire a coach who what kind of I said what do you mean a coach like be more specific you're too general what kind of coach because i need a i need a whole life coach coach for my whole life i said are you married yeah he goes yeah i said listen i said the best coach you'll ever meet in your life is your wife your partner your intimate partner what are you talking about i said she knows your strengths she knows your weaknesses she knows your insecurities she knows your blind spots she knows everything about you because she's with you the majority of the time 
So the feedback that she's giving you, you look at it as bitching or complaining or griping or whining. You're going to hire some coach, which again, I'm not, I'm not against coaches, but you're going to hire some coach to coach you on the same information that she's giving you. And he starts laughing. So guess what? He went to his wife and told his wife what I told him. And she goes, yeah, he's right. <laughs> I'm giving you the same information that you hire a therapist or a coach for. So sometimes we don't realize that our closest people in our lives are our greatest coaches, our greatest mentors in our lives. The people who are the closest to us that love us the most and care about us the most because they want to protect us and keep us safe. Now, sometimes they can hold us back because they want to protect us and keep us safe. They don't want us to take calculated risks, right? So you got to weigh that out. But I learned a lot. I learned, I learned number one, to trust myself. My self-confidence is, is at a way much higher level, even though I was very high self-confident. But how I've even taken my self-confidence to a whole higher level is, is keeping my word and following through and committing to my commitments. Powerful breakthrough in my life. Commit to my commitments. Even when things are hard, even when things are challenging, even when things are tough, even when I don't feel like it, even if I'm jet lagged or I'm tired or it's early in the morning or late at night, I follow through on what I give my word to. I commit to my commitments and I always do complete work. And I always share with people, notice what you give your word to and do you actually follow through, even when it's hard, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's challenging, even when you don't even feel like it. You commit to your commitment because you gave your word to do it. So for a whole year, when I was training for Kilimanjaro, I was training in snowstorms, blizzards, cold weather, freezing rain, hail, all kinds of stuff. And I'd have people come out saying, yeah, I'll be there on the hiking trail with you to train. And it's snowing or it's blizzarding or it's foggy or it's raining and nobody else shows up. And I'm like, okay, do I get out of my car right now? It's pouring rain or I just go home and chalk it up as I, I it's a rained out day from hiking. Nope. I gave my word. I'd be here. I allotted this time in my calendar. I'm going to do complete work. I'm going to do the hiking no matter what it takes. And I would go out there many times, even my little dog, my little Bichon Shih Tzu Cleo, my dog, he would come out with me in all kinds of weather. I'm thinking, man, this little dog is so committed. He's 12 years old and he's committed. He's committed to his commitment. He's, he gave it, you know, and so I'd go out and do this. And so I look at people now as, are you really committed to your commitments when things are hard, when they're uncomfortable, when they're inconvenient? Or are you going to say, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going to train today. I'm not going to go out and do that because I don't feel right. I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing for people. Most people are not committed to their commitments. They commit when it's convenient, but they don't commit when it's uncomfortable. Mm. I love the part that you brought up, um, how your partner and your intimate partner actually knows you better. Because I yeah. think a lot of people don't allow their ego to kind of just to be seen. Yeah. And to be seen, to be heard, to be understood is really hard, especially for, for men, right? Because they're always the protector. They're always... yes. They have to be masculine because if they're vulnerable, then they, ex ex like in your words, they expose a part of themselves that they feel. Or a sign of weakness, right? As a sign yeah. of weakness. And I really appreciate and acknowledge the fact that you are bringing such a, a light into the difference in terms mm -hmm. of how you carry yourself in integrity and still show true authenticity and true vulnerability and how that yeah. carries into your relationship, especially with allowing women to feel more empowered in their intuition. I have Absolutely. a couple last words, like a, a lot sure. of things lately that we've talked about is we have such a big uh, digital persona online. And mm -hmm. I've been asking the question of if social media didn't exist, how would your life, how would you live your life differently? And what would your legacy be? Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel that a lot of things. So for example, recently with Elon Musk, with the announcement of the, um, the new, the new truck that they're coming out with, with Tesla, I feel that changed a lot with social media because now people are like, oh my gosh, you can shoot at the truck, right? Because they were showing how, how, how they're making this like bullet resistance, bulletproof truck. And I thought in my lifetime that I would never, ever have to be in an armored vehicle. And I'm thinking to myself, is now because of social media, is this what we're going to see in the next couple of years? People think, oh my gosh, you're in that Tesla truck. You can shoot at it because it's bullet resistance or bulletproof. So that was a thing I wish that they would not have shown on social media. Because now I think to myself, are we going to go into in the next five years where a lot of vehicles are going to have to become armored vehicles here in North America? So that was scary for me to see that. Um, I think a lot of times, too, is that that mental health uh, is plays a big part. And I see this with our E2E Elevate to Educate community, that so many people are impacted in positive ways. Social media has done a lot of positive things. It's you know created shared experiences and photos and memories and celebrations and all that kind of stuff. It's great. There's benefits and drawbacks to everything. But I think some of the drawbacks is um, a lot of scams, 
on social media, a lot of romance date night scams. A lot of men and women have been taken advantage of financially. A lot of cryptocurrency scams. A lot of uh, pump and dump scams have happened on social media by people not verifying and vetting people. They're just instant messaging back and forth and not getting onto a Zoom video call or a FaceTime or meeting the person face-to-face to verify and vet as part of their due diligence. So that's some of the drawbacks. And I think also, too, is that some people compare themselves to other people and some people quitting way too soon because they think it's it's not what it is. You've got people out there that are you know, selling you this dream that's a fantasy that's not real, and that's not really how it is. And if you actually looked behind the scenes and seen how this person really lived their lives, it's not what they're displaying on social media, right? It's completely different. And it's used as marketing and to sell the hype and to sell the sizzle. And I don't like that. I don't like the fakeness of social media. I like I like people being transparent, being authentic, be raw, be vulnerable, and put your cards on the table. Be real with people. Like that's why when I go guest speak at a lot of places and I get voted a lot of times as the best speaker, people say, why? Authenticity vulnerability because i know what it's like to be in the audience sitting and thinking man i want to become more successful i want to take care of my family i want to do things for people i'm just wanting to figure out how to pay my bills on time this person's on stage talking about some new car they just bought or some glorious trip they did or some new watch they bought or some new purse or handbag and i and i can't relate to that there's such a gap because i don't know the steps in between and so to me i more people relate to like for example i got knighted last year by the royal family of spain and I became a sir, Sir Darren Jacqueline. And I don't, you know, I'm, a lot of people have now said to me, Darren, you need to put on all your social media that you're a sir because it's an inspiration to a lot of people and it gives people hope and possibility and people have never met somebody. But I was very against it at first because I didn't want to come from ego or bragging or, or, or making myself look better than anybody and having somebody put me on a pedestal and then they minimize themselves and put themselves in the pit. I didn't want that. I wanted to be a humble person, a, a servant leader to make a difference in people's lives. And people are like, no, you want it, you want, you've earned it. You've worked hard all your life for that. Right. But I, but I still, when I go places, I just like to approach people and just like, hey, I'm Darren, good to meet you. If I'm at a formal event, I'll go under Sir Darren Jacqueline. So I think it's important that people, the persona they have on social media is who they are because behavior never lies. And and a big thing I look at is that, you know, you can put all this fake stuff on there on your social media channels. But one thing I always share with people, time will either promote you or time will expose you. It's just a matter of time. So people always ask me, hey, Darren, what do you think of this person on social media? Time will either promote that person or time will expose that person. It's just a matter of time where they get promoted, they get exposed. And that's why you see people with some of these scandals and things that are going on, they're being exposed. I got exposed with my health a few years ago, right? I was eating a lot of fast food, junk food, hotel food, airplane food, and it compounded to a point where my buttons are going to blow on my shirt. And I realized, oh my gosh, I don't want to live my life this way anymore. I got exposure on my finances. I was up and down all the time, realizing one day I'm like, oh my gosh, my landlord wants to break my legs. I don't want to live my life this way anymore. Because what I realized from that experience was that most people will not make a change in life until a crisis occurs. And I realized that after I had a few different crises in my life, I'm thinking, why, why do I have to wait to make a change in my life for a, a crisis to occur? Why can't I just be proactive versus reactive? And so I realize now with me climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, now training for Mount Vincent in Antarctica, I'm thinking, what if I could just set a new standard in my life that I train to develop myself a minute of two hours a day? And they're like, well, we only have 24 hours in a day. So what are some things I need to delegate or, or say no to in my life and set some healthy boundaries and saying no? So that two hours a day is my time in my calendar for me to have self-care time and mental healthness, mental wellness time for myself to take care of myself. So I hike almost every day of the year. Unless I'm traveling, I'm hiking. It's one of the things I do every day and working out and exercising. But I never, a few years ago, I never imagined in my life, I never had the value system, the belief system to ever do something like that. I was just never that guy. So I thought, okay, great. What if I could step back and what if I could reevaluate myself and make some healthy choices and, and positive changes to actually become that person, actually become that person who's got a phenomenal body, who can have abs and a six pack that I'm working towards and create longevity in my life and, mm-hmm. and multiply and expand my energy? What if I could learn how to become financially independent and get my money right and be an integrity that? What if I could take my credit score from being so bad as an R9 to actually have a phenomenal credit where I can get pre-approved like I do now? I get pre-approved on things without even having to apply because I have my credit is so incredible. But it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes sometimes years to do that. 
but I worked on it and I set a target. This is my target. So I want to, I want to go from R9 to having phenomenal high levels of credit. I want to be able to have that integrity and that reputation that people can rely on me. I'm accountable. I'm responsible. I'm integral. And I give my word and my word is my law. My word is my bond. Wow. No, thank you for sharing this time with, uh, with us today. And, you know, my pleasure. it's a really valuable resource and I love everything that you've said. So it's still giving me chills for me. It's like being in person with someone is different, but you know, in our mm-hmm. circumstances, <laughs> I, I can't wait to read your book and I can't wait to hit you up when I actually leave, you know, Las Absolutely. Vegas and into, I think my passport expires this year or something. So I got to get working on that. Absolutely. You got to come to Vancouver or we'll, we'll do a hiking uh, E2E event somewhere in the U S I'm looking, actually looking at uh, Camelback mountain in Phoenix, Arizona. We're yeah. inquiring about that place to actually do that is one of our E2E locations, Elevate to Educate Hiking Fundraiser locations. Because so many people live in the greater Phoenix area, mm-hmm. they drive by and drive around Camelback Mountain, but have never hiked it. Yeah. So let me know about that. And I would love to set something up with you. Sure. And I just want to thank you again for showing up. Out My pleasure. It's who you are. Your energy is just so high. And I, I just love the vibrations that you put out and everything that you've said. Um, where Absolutely. can people find you? Yeah, you know what? Go to hikingfundraiser.com. That's a great place to find me. Uh, lots of great information there. Hikingfundraiser.com and share it with your friends and family. Uh, if people want to order the book, just type in it's until I become. Then go to Amazon or until I become.com. It's an international book. Uh, lots of rave reviews all over the world on it. And it's made a huge difference in a lot of people's lives, but it's called Until I Become. Or you can go to um, hikingfundraiser.com or just Google my name. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys for spending some time with us today. I hope you got some value out of that. Hopefully you can connect with Darren offline. He's a cool dude. His energy is just the same online or virtually as in person. And you can find me on uh, on IG at Tonosaurus or at Fit and Frugal Pod. So thanks again and make that decision to change your life. So stay fit and stay frugal. Peace.